To hey hey agave. Today on the show we have Alessandro Gonzalez Molina of Tospa Mescal. So Alessandro, along with his cousin Edgar Gonzalez Ramirez, started uh, this project in the early 2000s. They are both from the Sierra Norte, which is the mountainous region in Oaxaca. They come from a small village called San Cristobal La Chihuahua, and they've actually traveled uh, extensively and, and lived in the States for a while and then decided to come back and create uh, this brand, start producing mezcal, create work in the community. It's really a fascinating story, so much so that we broke it into two episodes. This first episode goes into really great detail about Alessandro's growing up, his background, how he and Edgar came up with this wild idea. They don't come from a history of mescaleros in their family. They're first generation. And it's really exciting to learn about how that came to be and the foresight that they had really early on to make it happen. We are so grateful for Alessandro for giving us all his time, and we're really lucky to have him in New York right now, so you'll get to hear all about why he's here and what he's been up to. I hope you enjoy this conversation. It was such a pleasure to speak with him and really exciting to taste through the expressions and learn how they've expanded. Please, if you guys can, rate and review us. It really helps to get visibility out there. Check us out on tuyo.nyc. Follow us on Instagram, the whole thing. We've got fun stuff coming up. We always want to hear from you. Please email us at hola at tuyo.nyc. And that's it. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. We really did. Thanks so much. Hi, welcome to Hey Hey Agave. Today, we are joined by Alessandro Gonzalez Molina. Hey, Alessandro. Hello. And you, uh, along with your partner and cousin, Edgar, um, are the owners of Tospa. Yes. Mezcal. Yes, yes. Uh, yes and that's in the Sierra Norte region of uh, San Cristobal, La Chihuahua. Yes, indeed. How yes. about you say that name properly for me? Uh, well, um, it is Rashidia in Zapotec. But yeah, it is San Cristobal, La Chihuahua. I find that people having a hard time to pronounce it, which is... Yeah, I think a lot of names in Oaxaca are hard to pronounce sometimes. Well, Zapotec is beautiful, but it's nothing to do with any other North American tongue, like Spanish, English, uh, French. It doesn't it doesn't equate to anything. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and a lot of them have been. Uh, how do you say Spanish size? Spanish size, yeah. Or uh -huh. Hispanic size? Like or adapted. Castellanizado, what, that's what we say in Spanish. Yeah. But yeah, it's like adapted, like it's a take on the indigenous sound or name and adopted to, to, to I don't know. Grow. Well, just, just the name of your town is San. San Cristobal. You know, it then, starts with the Catholic something and then probably the addition was the real name of the town. Yeah. Yeah. But you grew up speaking Zapotec. You were just telling me that your grandmother spoke only Zapotec, right? Yeah, on my mom's side. Well, I didn't get to know my on my dad's side, but yeah, everybody. Well, mostly the family that I've been that my my family 
uh, both sides, uh, they're from different towns. And yeah, it was Zapotec that I was uh, familiar or was raised with. Mm -hmm. But it's funny because... Like um, you spoke it in the house? Uh, mostly in the town, in the house. But it's surprising how lucky we are there because not only Zapotec, I got to listen and be close to Mije which is another oh. uh, uh, language in Oaxaca. And not only that, also um, Chinanteco, which is really cool because I'm which, really... Which is the one that is whistle? I heard people, I think, in the Cañada. So that might be Mazateco, that there yes. is a lot of people who... They like, will whistle a... each other and it will be a full conversation whistling. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's and incredible. It's, well, it's the mountains and... You know, it's impossible to just walk towards the other guy because it's like yeah. an hour and a half away yeah. or just hard whistling to someone. Or, yeah, or on the side of, other side of the hill and yeah. then, yeah. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, hey, man, look for your WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising, but like people will get a like you will, you will, yeah. like, and it becomes a language. Well, it's tonal, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, basically what you're doing, it's like making the sound of what, what you're in, you're saying in the language or in, it's Zapotec or like, yeah, it's, it's common. And I guess in many languages, you can just either, yeah, some yeah. way or another. I'm very, very excited to have you here for so many reasons and something that we talk about a lot, but it's rare that somebody has the experience of actually growing up there that we've talked to. And so I would just, if you wouldn't mind describing a little bit of what it was like growing up in the Sierra Norte in your town. Um, I mean, just to give people a context of like what that life looked like it's in the mountains, right? Like there's like, there's just lush, forest kind of around and like from the photos that i see everything looks so green and the sky is really blue and, and the you know, clouds are right in your face and the clouds are right in your yeah. face so we're talking really high up humidity mm -hmm. uh yeah um oh sometimes the clouds could be like below you like like you would see them because yeah below but yeah typically i mean that region it's not so much explored um it's part of the one of the seven, the eight regions of Oaxaca, as they divide the re the regions in Oaxaca, and um, well, yeah, it's it's changed a lot since I like if you ask me, what was it like? Like they told my parents tell me that when when I when I was born, like there was not roads to get to those villages. So my parents grew up like not having roads from to go to the city, like to the main point either to go to Veracruz or to go to uh, Oaxaca City, the Valley of Oaxaca. So there were no roads. Eventually, people would start getting in with uh, small airplanes, like mm -hmm. Cessnas and those. And was this like, oh, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to reveal your age to everybody. But <laughs> was this like 70s, 80s? Uh, it was early 80s. Early, yes. early 80s, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, finally, the, the roads started to make their way into uh, the early 80s and... Um, so people start using the autobuses, the Oaxaloteros, the, the those uh, buses, like which were like really just to get from Oaxaca City to to Villalta, it would take like eighteen hours drive, and you could yeah because it was a dirt road, it was like there were you would cross rivers to get there. 
eventually that has come to five hours, which still it's a long uh, uh, drive um, in terms of time. But um, it's just like the speed now, it's changing. So what else? So yeah, that's pretty pretty much all. Oh, and the region, like it's a, it's a range of mountains. So you go up and down, you cross or, or go through the side of the mountains. But um, Oaxaca City or the Valley of Oaxaca, it's at about... 1200 meters above sea level the highest point in the mountain ranges are about 3600 mm -hmm. so so we are in between 600 to 33000 meters like about and that's like 1800 feet to 9000 feet 10000 feet yeah just say something very important really that high. i don't want to let it go mm -hmm. and, and and it's something that for people to understand how how different uh oaxaca can be central valleys are dry central valleys are you know in 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 the rain season yes it's very green everywhere but it's a very specific time of the year when you're talking that you are like you can either go to oaxaca city or veracruz uh for our friends that don't understand mexican geography veracruz is the coast so you are basically the sierra norte is the mountain range that divides Oaxaca from the coast and the central valley. So if you're flat, it goes all the way to the mountains and you cross and you're basically on the other side in the sea to the Pacific. Um, we are more towards the Gulf of Mexico. So um, what they call the Sierra Madre Oriental, it's um, the one on the north in, in, in the case of Oaxaca and then the Sierra Madre Occidental will be like towards the Pacific. So, yeah. yeah, the reason one of the reasons why the valley of Oaxaca would be a little dry, uh, it's because there is like those Two uh, mountains. mountain range. So the, all the steam, all the, the, the humidity from the both sides, like it gets into those mountains on one side from the Gulf, and that's why it, the water goes down back into the ocean, into the Gulf of Mexico. And the other side, everything, the humidity from the Pacific Ocean goes into uh, like that side of San Jose del Pacifico. So that's why very little makes it into the valley, and that's why the valley of Oaxaca it kind of gets it. It's more dry than other areas. Yeah, but with that, you also have a very important thing to say. The micro, like the, the, the ecosystems that create from the valley to the mountain and the other side, you have the possibility of reaching on both sides. You can have on the dry side um, elements, and on the other side, you have all the mangoes and you have all the like more tropical um, fruits and vegetables that you can get from the other side. So you're like a kind of like a privileged side, even that is very complicated to get to your town. Once you're there, you're you have access to these two lands that otherwise you will be on one you will be stuck on one side or the other yeah well yeah the i mean the general classification that they give to 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 the the, the climates there it's in the top of the mountains it's always foggy rainy like there is the uh, rocio how do you call yeah. it uh, the, like the mountain dew the mountain dew and then in the middle and the middle range like about i don't know uh, 1500 meters like 4500 feet 4500 feet you have that um like the mild templ templado climate mm -hmm. where they're there precisely you grow a lot of the cafe de altura the bananas the like it's perfect and it's also for, shadow right because yeah. there's a lot of vegetation that 
And mountains. then if you go lower, closer to the river, it gets hot, really hot. And it, there's a natural chamber, warmth, always. Like, the temperature there doesn't change much. It Like, it doesn't really get cold at night or during, uh, yeah, or anytime. It's always warm. They're mm -hmm. closer to river. So you have those three climates. And you do different things in different areas. Like, yeah. So when uh, you were growing up, you had mentioned that your parents were both teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're from different from two different towns in the mountains. Um, somehow they met in like by teaching some other town, and it's kind of that was our life with uh, my brother. I have a brother, an older brother, but yeah, it was um, it was uh, following them like as a kid because well. they were moving from like village to village teaching. Is that yeah, how pretty it went? much and. It's a one interesting, or it's one of those uh, parts of the history of Mexico. And the reasons why they like certain states, like Oaxaca, it is how it is, and how I went from seeing those towns not having electricity. Like I, we went and live in places like without electricity, and my parents had to do what they had to do, bring their own like quinques and all those things to have for their family how, but also they were teaching and they were like bringing other ideas other things to those communities so kind of that was but it was rough it was like back really really i don't know it was just so like do you, do like you have a do you have a moment that you're like where are we like you were little and <laughs> like You open your eyes and you're like this town and like what happened? <laughs> no, it wasn't like it was really natural, normal yeah. as a kid. You don't have that kind of judgment. However, yeah. now there is still. I usually like to go back to those like forgotten towns, and I uh, I've been I brought my my son there recently. Last time we went there, but it was kind of and just living with that without being connected, no internet, no all that electricity. And it's kind of brings you down to earth and just, I don't know. It's just two different worlds. It, conne it connects you with the world, man. It's, it's very different. Um, for many things, I, I told Sabrina a few stories. I I grew up with the, the luck of being able to travel in Mexico a lot because my dad and we did a lot of traveling through Puebla, Tlaxcala, never all the way down to Oaxaca, but very much in the in the in the Mixteca Poblana, mm -hmm. uh, saying mountain stories. So the first, I'm telling you, like if you had that one aha moment, like what happened to you? But I was a, I was a kid from the city exactly. that traveled eight hours on zigzag roads, end up in a, in a cabana in a little house on the top of a mountain with the clouds passing by, and then by seven, the sun comes down. Mm -hmm. And it's everybody pitch black. Yeah. Yeah, it's very black. <laughs> like either you yeah. go to sleep or you better know where the bathroom is because it's gonna be very complicated. Yeah, and if yeah, if, um, of course, if you have your flashlight or whatever or your candle somewhere yeah. or like you know, like otherwise you're sleeping with the risk of something coming like I, I don't know where. Yeah. yeah, but but then becomes so not. I mean, it, you're part it's of natural. it, and that's how yeah. you live it, yeah. and that's how it is. Yeah. However, now that I've gone back. It's it feels different, but it's like it's like you are in the middle of nowhere, and yeah, it's it's interesting. But I got to see that, and that's kind of like a lot of the a lot of people assume many things about Oaxaca or especially or Mexico. There is a lot of rural places that are still like that. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, but yeah, it's worth. And it, not only Mexico, of course, this developing country. I'm sure yeah. in other places in in Asia, like just, yeah. Just but yeah, that was Oaxaca, and that was the Sierra Norte yeah. for me. And the stars. Oh yeah. And the stars. Oh, and the, and the ¿cómo se dicen? los rayos. Yeah, when when it's raining, the uh, when it's uh, lightning, the it's, it's a whole different story because you're like there's humidity building up right on top of the mountain, mm -hmm. and they go side by side. They don't go down. You just like yeah, go all the way there, there, like, be an interesting show. Horizontal like, lightning. Yeah, bolts. it's very amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So when you were traveling uh, because of your parents' teaching, how long would you guys stay in like a, a village for? Sometimes we'd be like uh, all my elementary school. I was through those. Like sometimes the, uh, I remember first grade. I was with my no my uh, preescolar. Like um, kinder, I was mm -hmm. in Yalala, and then I moved to Yatsona, and then sometimes will be a year, sometimes will be two years. So that kind of was through my, my my elementary school, and everything was walking. Like you will go, like they will put aside one day. Okay, this day, and it, the the cool thing that they would make it like it was to make it a picnic day. So you have to walk. And then when you get to a river, then, then that was the like four or five hours walking. And then that will be the the time for you to spend to set up your 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 wood fire and go on the river and just like swim, eat, rest and then, OK, get at it again. So, yeah. What were those excur excursions all about? Were they to just learn? like, to, is that how you guys were taught or was it for fun? No, no, no. That was moving from one village to another village. Oh, you did it on foot. <laughs> In foot, yeah. Oh, shit. oh it was, sometimes okay. we would be lucky that uh, my my grandpa had uh, like horses, and mm -hmm. but the horses would be only to bring all this the the shit that we had with us, like all the things. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like who, the, who all was traveling with you? Yeah, Give me like, like a, a feel oh, for okay, like who feel. was was your brother? Okay, so it would be like uh, my mom and my my brother and my 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 grandpa. Like my grandpa would be leading us. Sometimes it will be. Um, just my parent, my dad, my mom, and my brother, and, and uh, myself. Were so, your mom in one school and your dad? In no, another they one? were always uh, were in okay. together. But uh -huh. yeah, but yeah, it will be like oh, sometimes a weekend. Like sometimes you like s there will be times that there, uh, six day. I mean, I don't know, uh, six months. You will be enough of supplies, like whatever you brought from the city all the way there, and then you run out of stuff, and then you want to go to your hometown or. That sort of thing. So then it's another five-day trip or whatever. Uh, right? Yeah, usually yeah. it will be like one day or or two. But then you had to go to the main town to or the to get supplies and like at least things that they 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 afford and and yeah things like that. It so, was <laughs> geez, this is so crazy. I mean, you lived a very sort of mercantile, and, and and instead of selling a product or a good, you guys were selling information, right? Like they were teaching the children in the yes. village, or even adults, or uh, how did it go? It was mostly elementary school. Okay. They were always, and sometimes they would be in charge of like the two, three grades at a time. Like my mom would be in charge of first, second, third grade. Yeah. My dad would be like four, five, uh, four, fifth, and sixth yeah. grade. And that kind it. of thing. That's or, a primary school. Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes one grade for you, depending if the village was uh, big enough. And that, and then you will have other teachers too. And that was kind of like, but yeah, uh, 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 my dad was really, uh, he has a lot of knowledge. He was an electrician. He was a plumber. He was a carpenter. So he would always implement that in his his yeah. um, teaching. That's cool. 
Was it was it organized by like the local municipality that your parents would come teach? Like how how was that organized? Um, was it like ag- a- again? So it, it, it's one of those things that uh, when you hear about teachers in Mexico or, or at least more in Oaxaca, oh those guys are just lazy people or whatever. No, actually, it's really bad in the mountains. Like you have to at least you have to do uh, some sort of stand. But uh, my parents didn't get so much political because they have so much work to do back in the mountains. But yeah, it is um, the educational system in 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 Mexico. It's run by the government, the federal government, and then it was decentralized to become a state uh, run. And then at the and then so it's basically the state of Oaxaca has its like union and. Mm-hmm. Like, but but yeah. they still overseen by the federal government. Somehow. Like it's it's, okay. so it's like it's, a, a public the division, the division was just to basically break apart from centralized Mexico and give them the possibility of do decision towards their state. And I think it happened throughout Mexico. It wasn't yeah. just what happened. Like yeah, every yeah. state got to yeah. choose how not they the, would implement it. They didn't have to choose. They didn't they didn't they didn't have the possibility of choosing and by decentralizing open just another kind of responsibility, but they still like SEP in Mexico, the Secretaria de Educación Pública, it is in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So all your paperwork from high school, from elementary school to high school to college, mm-hmm. everything goes through them and through NAM. And so it's right. just it's just one of those things that uh, the decentralization was in paper, but in action, it was a little bit still well, controlled. That's interesting because so you spent your primary education with your folks traveling around and studying with them, right? Mm-hmm. And then you went to high school in Oaxaca City. Well, the, after uh, elementary, the, my, my my last grade, uh, sixth grade, I went back to La Chiruac and that was my and with my parents, too. So it was a little more quote-unquote comfortable mm-hmm. to be in La Chiruac because my dad is from La Chiruac. My, so that kind of, that was our home. And you uh, have family there. And right? I have family there and I have cousins and I, yeah. And so that was, quote-unquote, a little more comfortable. But uh, I mean, comfortable, definitely, because that's, that was my life. And it's not in, in, in no, in no way. You had nothing to compare it to, right? Like, yeah. But then the from there, I moved to, so you had to take like a test like to qualify to go into this boarding school which was for uh low-income people blah blah blah. and then oh the reason i went there it was because i was following my brother and i was following my uh, cousin edgar who had already been there who's like he's older than us and he was already there and it's a boarding school and boarding school there it's not big it's not like a boarding school in other places where like you you pay to go to a boarding school there it was more like um subsidized uh school where yeah first in order to get there like you had to pass a test that you're selected so they select you out of a thousand people they select like a hundred people to go there and you gotta have good good grades and blah blah Mm -hmm. and yeah and that was in reyes mantecon but then once you get accepted they pay for your stay and everything oh yeah you have you live there like they assign you um like a bunk bed Mm -hmm. with other uh so you were what 12 years old 11 when 11 I left. Yeah. what was it like to leave home like that <laughs> were you thrilled or were you freaked out uh, uh, i remember crying yeah <laughs> I bet. but edgar was there uh, I, no I actually brother. edgar had already left it's my already brother right. was there but still like you yeah. uh, i was yeah. like leaving my house and, no, and you're, seemed... you're 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 a kid yeah, yeah. 11 years old yeah, it's you're, like you're, you're a baby still yeah. yeah 
Uh, no, but your not. parents were supportive of this, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then, like it's your choice, and now you're yeah. here, like yeah, yeah. But then, okay, yeah. and then it, it, it becomes a thing too, because yeah. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and how many years were you in that program? I was there three years. Uh huh. Yeah, fourteen. I was out. Yeah. When when did it start feeling okay? Was it like after a couple weeks? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, like maybe like. F- first two days were like funny yeah. i would cry yeah. and i did cry <laughs> you seem I'm... pretty adaptable though <laughs> yeah yeah you have you learn. to right yeah you, learn. You, you do so you're done high school and then what happens oh uh so then after uh middle school i went to oaxaca to live uh, my parents had a house there and i lived there with my brother just the two of us we went to high school oh sorry uh, that was middle school yeah that was ah, middle school okay 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 and then we lived there. I became part of the um, wrestling team in high school. It was that was really fun too because it was another experience. I'm gonna wrestling. say something very stupid, but I have to because you <laughs> just gave me the entrance to say it. <laughs> was your dream to be a luchador? Because <laughs> oh, there's no there's lucha libre in Oaxaca. I saw yeah. the posters. It is something yeah. that happens for a long, long time. Yeah, and yeah. every kid, including myself, saw a future. Of becoming a lucha, a lucha one, t- one time in your life, yeah. You imagined yourself being. Yeah, that? everybody watches lucha libre. Lucha that was libre. like that. It was more if like you, a, if you're not a fan of soccer, you definitely watching lucha libre. <laughs> it was more like uh, uh, I remember Relámpago Gomez from Oaxaca. He you was see? a uh, who was actually the coach, but no, he was not into. Oh, you guys need to become a luchador or that or pushing that idea. It was more like go to the nationals go to the state yeah. and like yeah maybe and the olympics more, yeah uh, the, yeah yeah we had a couple of, uh of i have a friend who from the boarding school who who made it to the a world a world competition he went to That's uh, awesome uh, turkey i think or and another guy who went to cuba and another one who went yeah the same guy went to cuba and to canada so and the u.s alexandra what happened what happened to you (laughs) yeah well no but i I became national champ so he could have been la penca vengadora (laughs) he didn't know it then yeah (laughs) but you did mention also that you um you did work harvesting sugar and coffee at some point oh yeah was this when you were a teenager or was it that was like like Later? as a kid, like as a kid, like as, as a, a okay. living in in La Chiruac, when la, last the times that we got to stay in La Chiruac and the last year on La Chiruac, well, my grandpa was there, and um, I remember in December, late December, and or like January will be coffee coffee harvest. Yeah, and also like it, either the the relationship with sugarcane, it's like you would see, you will go to the 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 trapiche. That's what the name for it was to go either make piloncillo, like sugar, brown sugar, mm-hmm. and molasses, molasses, and then such a cool process to watch. It is pretty amazing. Yeah. And then um, the fun part was to go and get the 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 fruit, las fruta tierna. How do you say the the the, the the unripened fruit is, is the, the sweet, like bananas yeah. like bananas like like unripened banana like um the baby papayas fruit, the baby fruit that baby is not fruit, fully yeah. that exactly. is not fully developed mm-hmm. so then you drop those into the boiling uh sugar cane juice and then you take them out and then let them dry i mean cool off and then it was just like 
banana with sugar. sugar. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard candy <laughs> shell yeah. with the banana inside. Oh, or oh papayas. Papayas were the best. I don't like much papaya, and those were like my favorite papayas. <laughs> because it's like, you know, 3,000% sugar and yeah. maybe 1% papaya. Just a papaya. little bit of the flavor of <laughs> papaya. Papaya. <laughs> so, uh, were you learning English at this point? No. So, no. So, it was just Spanish and Zapotec. Yeah. When your folks were traveling and teaching, were they teaching in Zapotec? Or are they teaching in Spanish? Everything was Spanish. For Everything them. was Spanish yeah. for them. Okay. But they, yeah, but they don't. They they they, they speak Zapotec. So you're wrestling, and you <laughs> and, and wrestling life. You're wrestling life. <laughs> you're hustler. You're a hustler. <laughs> yeah. What well, I mean, so you finished high school, and then do, is that when you decided to travel? Uh, high school. It, it it was more like after yeah after no actually the, that idea was more. Uh, when I moved to the States and that was right after high school, yes. And tell me about that. So you were finished high school and... And Edgar comes and said, we're leaving. Well, yeah, was Edgar <laughs> part of you moving to the States? Like, how did that happen? No, actually, Edgar was... was in, I think he was in uh, university. He was okay. doing his, his, his uh, computer program, science thing. Computer science? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, yeah. And uh, I moved to to the U.S. to California. And was there somebody there that you knew? Yeah, I have a couple from my dad's side. I have a couple of uh, uncles there that okay. who were there. That's who. Uh, so the one thing for sure, like my uncle did, was um, the first week I got there, he signed me up for ESL classes. At yeah. The so College. that was your entry to English. Yeah. 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 Wow. How'd that go? Uh, I didn't know, like, oh, like, you have an, uh, a placement test in, in two weeks. And I'm, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that was happening. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. Like, I mean, I started going to school, like, right away. Like, and yeah. I Well, you, I mean, it seems like you come from a family of academics. School didn't, it yeah, seemed like a natural was, thing to do, right? Yeah, reading yeah. was not a problem for me. And never. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were so you you were studying and um, were you taking any other classes or was it just ESL? Were you working? Did you find a job? Uh, yeah, I was. It, it was interesting because I I would uh, go to I work in, in the service industry like as a bass boy. Mm -hmm. The first job I had and in in played really well because I was taking classes in the morning and we had a part time job in the afternoon. So that was kind of was like, good because it was I I would get to practice my English whatever like I would like push it and mm -hmm. just Californ throw my California chicken uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, kitchen, kitchen English or, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. oh yeah yeah so yeah that was uh, I had that and I actually because of my uncle he was a uh, tax preparer slash real estate so I kind of I kind of was doing that. well he was teaching me those things and I was following into that sort of thing what do you think of of Silicon Valley? What do you think of the states after growing up in you know the Sierra Norte? Well, uh, one thing for sure it was that the, the 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 you could like it maintains working and you had money and then you can buy a car and then I bought my first car and then that, those oh, sort you, of yeah, things. Yeah, you like, see the projection <laughs> of like yeah. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh shit, I have some savings. <laughs> like, oh, I have some money in the bank now. Like that, and even of course, like I would like it, it was a little, right. it was, but it was but it was like, but it, it was, was existing. Uh, it was existing, which <laughs> I would like. um I never thought about I would I would have a car in Mexico. That, but, and of course, I'm a teenager, but also. Like that idea, like I'm 
things can happen, you know, like that frame of mind, because mm-hmm. imagine in the mountains, like just grinding, like with you and nature and just living like that. It's And that's all that there is. There is. And yeah. then you think, oh, this must be like this. <laughs> or, and then or, all of a sudden, you know, most likely I need a donkey because you were saying about your grandfather, you know, using the donkeys to move you guys around. So right. that's those are like maybe some of like, yeah, the top thoughts of like mobility uh machinery yeah the land where you're gonna be living like all that kind i mean of stuff. i know at this point you're still really young but did you have a passion for something that you were like oh i want to go study this or i want to do this or i want to become this person mm. or this thing or work in this mm. field actually no i mean i one thing it was like it was pending i didn't like i mean the the path the natural path or be, it was to become to choose a profession i Definitely, I mean, go to uh, choose a career, go to uh, college. college. Yeah, and I didn't really feel it like I knew I wanted to do something, but uh, definitely growing up in the mountains. Definitely, I had a a, a moving for social things. Mm-hmm. For like, I didn't like it how it is there. I know, like, you tend to get yourself influenced by the the struggle that the teachers are having the protest that like that real pot protest you know because you see kids or you see us we don't have schools we don't have roads we don't have this yet you later find out that yeah these guys are stealing from the budget of the schools of the roads and all these things you learn so the that corruption was, behind it yeah yeah but it was like on the other hand there is these guys are doing the right thing and they're doing like working their asses off and they're saying like no you're not supposed to do this like you see your grandparents doing those same things and then that kind of really was always in my, like was in my head and like yeah that that like i kind of have that um i wouldn't say um that bothered me that was kind of and then i was very inclined to social things social aspects Mm -hmm. like you still do (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, probably is it something is it a conversation that would happen around the table with your parents too like was that like an ongoing kind of like conversation because it was happening around you there was subject to be probably some sort of problem with the government stuff because you're the, you're a teacher in the mountains with very little or non non budget none. You just go there and like, oh, you're teaching good. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. With that, with that kind, and, so and they, they had w- to they had to mobilize the community to help. Yeah, or pitch like, in or, or whatever. Bring something out of their pockets over their salary. Or people will bring. You know, yeah. that's that's where the community in Mexico is a completely different animal from any other place that I visit. You know the the set of like you know to to make a girl you need a village, is 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 so you need a village to raise a child. It's so yeah. accurate, yeah. It's yeah. So, because everybody's looking for everybody in some way or form. Yeah, and they the the thing that I you know Alessandro will not let me lie. There's usos y costumbres. When you're so far away, removed from any governmental or any policing or any any social uh, architecture, if you want to call it like that. The town itself, police and re- and and the regiments of ethics and behavior are done by the town. So it's usos y costumbres. That is basically is it conveys everybody. You you steal something. Yeah, the and, community and has the community a will, social structure, yeah. mm-hmm. which it's a government structure, which is also really contained mm-hmm. and it's and, strict. And it's really strict. 
So mm-hmm. and it also uh, detains you, like holds you in a certain way because mm-hmm. you have to spend money, spend resources, your time, your life within for the community. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has some has some good stuff that I think, and but it's also a little like restraining. I would yeah. say. Did you feel restrained a little bit? Uh, no, at that point, and uh, uh, yeah, at done. this point, no. But uh, yeah. but I mean, me having a little, I mean, having able to see or being a little more curious or more adventurous. Um, but I could imagine some people. I, I think you, uh, you sometimes you you could behave better or could be become more like more Ethical. focused. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably it will it will be. Um, uh, it's it, it depends of the individual like yeah. it could be a good thing it could be a bad thing because yeah. you're more focused because you have a responsibility or you can be a wild person like me and then you're right like, and how do you like, fit the wild person into the mold of the community then, you, you know, know we will visit this it's just a question that is going to be open you don't need to answer it but now you have a business there <laughs> so all this that we're talking about i know this is why it's so interesting complications yeah. and yeah. maybe unregulated yeah. and regulated thoughts but it's good to know as a child you were you a little bit up. you were a little bit wild it's good to know that for context <laughs> 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 um when you decided to go to college uh you left uh silicon valley you left uh san francisco right and you came back to mexico mm-hmm. yeah and what did you study uh, international business. Mm-hmm. Don't you say. <laughs> so you had a plan. Uh, sort of. It, de- yeah. it developed with time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that was after, like, after a while living in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. After, after he sold a few houses, cleaned some apartments. Did you buy the car that you wanted to buy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sold yeah. the car to yeah. come back. <laughs> so, so no, how, I, like. Actually, I drove back. <laughs> did you drive, you drove back? Yeah. yeah. Um. So you were in the States for a, a few years. Yeah. Okay. And then you went to Guadalajara? Yeah. Uh-huh. I studied there. Yeah. And so you're studying there. So you're back from the States. You've you've taken that experience. What, what year is that, Guadalajara? 2008. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have thoughts. <laughs> I would not say, but... Oh, okay. Just, All um, right. So, yeah. So so you do a four-year program? Yeah. Well, I did it in less time I, because I was really focused on, like, finish, trying yeah. to finish. Yeah. Because first, we, one was a private school. I had to pay and all the money that uh, uh and yeah and i was just like loading myself with classes yeah so the program was for four years but i did it into um, eight months what were you working in Guadalajara? nothing you were just focused uh, at one point i worked at uh, uh, uh there was an outsourcing company there that uh, was doing customer service for bank of america mm-hmm. so yeah i was doing that <laughs> maybe, maybe, I, maybe uh, i spoke with you but you were bilingual by the time yeah that's, so, um yeah well that's one of the reasons they hired me there because yeah. it was so i have in my notes you know and um your, and your accent is not that bad mine is his worse. accent's great no mine yeah. was worse when I yeah, was too, yeah 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 you could not have done customer service <laughs> in english I'll, I'll, i probably would laugh all the time i forgot the pitch alessandro when when you gave me the notes that i asked for and this is probably all my fault i have okay so you went to school in guadalajara international business and then i have started growing agave oh yeah is that true Oh no, that was a little bit earlier. Like, it was even uh, earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with that time, uh, it was an on and off conversation with Edgar that he. When did it start? Uh, the time we. Oh, so Edgar came. 
like a couple of years after I was there, like around early 2000, I'm not so exact in the date, but I was there already and he came and lived with us for like a couple of months and then we decided to rent our own place mm-hmm. to, with Edgar and that's where we kind of focus i was doing um by that time i was not um bass boy i was doing i was became a server at a french restaurant i mm-hmm. was digging all this knowledge the, the well the approach of the french cuisine yeah. which was really different very heavy focused on wine and is the restaurant still open no oh, okay and it was actually uh, seeing that in front of me um there was it was these guys from that recently graduated from culinary school in France and they were given money to open a place in California. Mm-hmm. And, it was awesome. close, and it was close to Apple, actually, in, in Cupertino. So oh. it was really cool to see exactly the evolution of the place from having just... And this is like the mid-2000s? Yeah, like 2003, yeah. 2004. Oh, it's like with the, the boom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the... the Oh, and, and during those times, it was when Edgar uh, and myself had those conversations about what should we do. And then it's when that idea, I mean, I've always been reflected to wanting to do something like why not in the mountains? Why why can't we sell things from use, there? Yeah. Use the resources that you grow yeah. knowing that they exist. Yeah. And why? why and, then, and then it was like agave. And then... How did but, you... But, how did he say that? Like, was it because... But did you have the the thought of coffee? Because that was the first thing that you, we were talking. Yeah. And you pick it up and like you have the whole understanding of what it is. Uh, yes and no. Uh, well, yeah, you see it like you. I grew up uh, harvesting it, but the idea of going back it wasn't like really immediate, as okay. if with agave was uh, Edgar's dad was uh, receiving the the money and growing the agave ah okay so he was growing the agave and mm-hmm. he was selling it to no son no. because we're remember this is agave that it's we were planting agaves from seeds and from my, oh, like tiny. little so tiny little, little willows yeah. from yeah. scratch so he, yeah Good. from scratch like no no it's not like we had agaves before or anything it's but especially because okay we started so it wasn't a business that his father was doing no, before no, no, no. when you guys were sierra, little or and sierra norte is not known for for but not yet not now uh it was it at was some point. but it wasn't it wasn't the fields of agave that you see in matatlan for yeah example. exactly but uh, people in yate san francisco yate they would make like they had this it was but it's lower right it's mm, not high up no it's close it's about the same altitude okay. so i'm sorry to interrupt I'm just trying to get this timeline mm-hmm. right. So you you guys were living together and you had this idea. You're like agave. And so then did Edgar tell, like, did he organize it with his father? Hey, start growing this. Yeah. Like start farming land and growing it. Yeah. So then. Uh, because had- you knew it was going to be, well, it was probably Espadine, right? And it, exactly. you knew it was going to be whatever, seven, eight, ten years exactly yeah. and i remember that's exactly the, that's the, the long first, view <laughs> uh, yes and i remember exactly thinking about oh let's order the first batch of agaves yeah and of course you imagine like they will send you pictures that oh it was this truck that not because that was not even uh, i have an idea and then oh it was a bucket of uh styrofoam a bucket of styrofoam like here's your 2000 agaves and it was just of course tiny little things little little iguelos yeah and then uh <laughs> the tiniest of them yeah and then <laughs> and, 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 and those and, you count, and too, count yeah. them because you pay for each one of them <laughs> yeah and that was the first contact with the and then okay 
and then, and then like, wait 20 years and no, <laughs> and no and then like okay next yeah. year well we'll we'll do five thousand and then ten thousand yeah. and then fifty thousand. so you ever. just you just you started planting before you even started producing yeah, but, yeah, yeah. so because you, just to be clear with the audience like um and this is this is not abnormal like you would start you would you'd have this idea you'd have this thought you guys you know are new to to um distilling uh, agave spirits and you'd be like okay i want to plant i want to i want to you know harvest this from the land eventually but before that you knew that you would be purchasing the agave the the, the pinas and the agave outsourced until those until your fields are ready but there's there's another question that you haven't asked that is more important you didn't start with a palenque first mm-hmm. you didn't have the palenque built you didn't have none of that was in place before, like you started from zero, that is the seed and the hijuelo, and you you create your raw material prior the thought of starting to do the the mezcal itself, and that on itself I think is absolutely absolutely unique. I don't think we have heard this story like that. We hear, you know, palenqueros fifth, six, seven generations, sure. But we don't know the storyline from the first generation. You are your own first generation. And that is, uh, you're the second one that we have had in Heje Agave. Uh, the Rio. F- the first one was yeah. Rio. And it, the story is very similar. Traveling bug, very ambitious of wanting to know and want more. And Agave. And also uh, want to bring it back home. And bring it back home. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting how those, and, and his, uh, uh, Australian Mexican, Mexican. Yeah. so it's a it's a very strange combination too. Yeah. Uh, so it's fascinating. Okay, so forgive me, I jumped way ahead. No, it's fine. So <laughs> so Edgar's father, what is his Edgar's father's name? Felipe. Don Felipe. Felipe. So Don Felipe is you 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 had him very busy. Yeah, <laughs> and he's uh, he was growing old, and and uh, not only that, not only agave, we were buying plots of land too because mm-hmm. um, part of the money that we was being sent back back to the village was to buy also land and mm-hmm. then you're like oh this guy is offering uh, some land and uh what do you think and okay and then let's let's pay and let's pay for that land does it get complicated as it gets in oaxaca valley that you have a lot of ejidos and you lot a lot of like communal land that you don't necessarily purchase or this is uh, private land that you were able to find it, Terrenos comunales, yeah, that's a figure that uh, after Mexican Revolution, yeah. they, the way the land was distributed, Divided, it yeah. was uh, a lot of it from ejidos through uh, terrenos comunales. But I don't know why, and I've been reading, I've been doing research on why the region is the it way ne- it is. It never reached the mountain? Uh, <laughs> there, no, they, our village, it's, I don't know, he doesn't have that. It's more like private property. <sighs> that's perfect then. Uh, yes and no but and also there is barrios like the the town is divided by barrios Mm -hmm. like each barrio has its own land that you can become part of the barrio and you have access to certain uh, Mm -hmm. like large amounts of of land and that's kind of the combination of the that that is kind of like communal land nonetheless yes but you have to be aside from being the from like la asamblea from el el tequio you have to be your own micro barrio, your own because you are in charge of the the the, the chapel of the, the del barrio, and then you have it has its own structure like its own mm-hmm. tiny community like ten guys, five guys depends mm-hmm. who wants to join, but that by joining you have access to land. Mm-hmm. But you know again that's that's one of the things that I I think is very important to explain. Um, 
the geopolitical thoughts and 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 uh, also costumbres again of uh, this is one of the examples uh you have communal land that is self-organized nobody has like the government has a hand maybe yes no but not really is the people that own and live there mm-hmm. so but you coming back being from there having a name having a family that is from there you have access to something that a lot of people will, mm, uh, likely will never be able to have. Well, b- for example, Gabrielle, point. you not having been from that town or that that or that state, it will it will take different timing. Yeah, like I, you I wouldn't have, have to, the same have access. Be, it, it it sounds like I will have to move, live there for a long time or for a bit, like establish residency establish, or something. Not it's not residency, but establish com- like community, mm-hmm. be, be part of them. That and also, yeah, you become uh, once you're 18, they they're even if you're not there, and they they're aware, or if you're going back, they're locating you. Okay, it's time for you to serve, like give like uh-huh. your servicio, and then yeah, uh, I'm on my second one right now. My cousin Edgar, he's on his fourth, and and what, ha- your fourth, what happens like, for that? You have to come back. You yes, I know, and uh, you. And it varies from village to village. Some villages will have you be served for 10 years, like different uh, servicios. Our village has six years. You start as a policeman, like an officer. Where, well, not an officer, but it's like Topil, where you are in charge of security. Mm-hmm. Like you serve for a year and then you're like either. In my case, I hired someone to to help me, to do mm-hmm. it for me. But of course, I had to pay for him to, to, to be there. And not do it as for the me. service has to be provided. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and then eventually you jump from that, you become the Comité de Agua, so you are in charge. So a group, a, a team of six people, six guys, are going to be in charge of the water supply. So making sure, making your rounds, like the sources of water. And it and not being uh, Yeah, caught. or they're mm-hmm. like clean, or mm-hmm. like if something mm-hmm. like the, the, the tanks are like probably like in, in place and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then from there you move to the school, Comité de la Escuela, so you are in charge of the school, like so... And then that takes a it's a it's a year that you serve for the community and without a pay and you just like yeah and then of course it's like usually you serve a week and then but you you have to be like mm-hmm. on check on call or whatever or like gatherings mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's like what the structure but you don't get paid eventually uh, you move to the comité de la iglesia so you're in charge of uh, um, it's funny uh, that you finally. You're allowed to go back to the church. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, also the que más el, el regidor, and then if you become eventually you become you potential you could be the treasurer, you could be the, the president. Yeah, and it just seems to me, Alessandro, that oh. you've been getting, you've been coming and going from your village for your whole life, right? Like mm-hmm. you've come to the States, you've gone back to study there and spend time there. And so now we still have you in California with Edgar roommates talking about how you're going to build your future. Sending money, sending, land, sending money, buying land, mm-hmm, planting agave. And when does Edgar make the move back to, to town? So you, yeah, together, we actually made it together on 2008 and and uh, by that time, we didn't have a road, by the way, to access the property. So that was also one of big. <laughs> we had to build for, it. We had to build like yeah. uh, like bulldozing, like and that shit costs a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so and then not only that, it's like it's like bulldozing, and that's within our property. And this is not getting funds or like government. Oh, you know what? Build your your right. your road to your ranch. 
And not only that, there there was no wrench at all. No, was no. You have land, but there was nothing. There nothing. was just a piece. Uh, like so wait, land. did you leave Edgar to do it all, and you went to college? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was like, okay. Edgar so is, the, is the point of the arrow. <laughs> no, we have yeah. heard this. He went first to the, 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 boarding. the boarding school. Yeah. He yeah. left first to go to the States. No, like, no, no. I actually, I actually went first. Okay. <laughs> no, but it, oh, it's, we decided two things. Okay, I'm going. Um, but by this time, we're, uh, well, he didn't know how to make mezcal either. So it's like, oh, I'm going this direction. You go this direction. Mm -hmm. You yeah. go to school and you learn these things. And because you needed the business end of it in order to mm -hmm. be profitable and then yeah. he you needed the craftsmanship of it and that was edgar's yeah and uh so by this time we're there's a lot of things to be oh one of the reasons that also edgar came back was to, because uh my uncle felipe was getting old and it was harder to maintain because now we're talking we have thousands and thousands of agaves that needs to be and remember this is uh the mountains it's not the valley or if oaxaca where everything is more flat or yeah. hilly these are mountains like almost in 45 degree angles yeah. and, and it's, wet and wet and uh, <laughs> mudslides what's that mudslides uh, not so much but the, yeah roads will get like rainy season sometimes. will get shut down yeah mm -hmm. and uh so what so, happened to the agaves growing on that angle happy uh, <laughs> yeah many ways like uh so they're um so those are um you will lose one or two there like something that was mature like you didn't get to see because it was far away that you don't get and suddenly what happened there and because the, and the, the flower <laughs> yeah it was already it was it flowered already and it, like, oh, the, or the animals in the kyoto right yeah Sometimes. but that actually that's good because the plant will survive if the, like a cow or something it will be like a capon like a natural capon yeah and we have a theories about the 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 capon, by the way. Like oh. if you cut it with a with, with a metal a, with the metal thing, it will like it won't last long, like one two months. It will last. Whereas if you cut it with the with something the that it's like or the cow like wasn't choosing it, and it will survive longer, a year two years. That, yeah, and that's because just you, hear, you hear often, but, no, but you hear often that, that a few times. the capon practice is, is you know, they'll, they'll cut the quixote off and they'll let it set in the ground for that, a long ass time. Two years tops, but that we heard. Uh, but uh, Durango. Herman? Herman told us the same story with the cow. Mm -hmm. if, if the animal comes and chew the quixote, the, the capon would last longer. What's so, the theory besides no, but it it's being funny. more it's, natural? It's the Sierra Norte, yeah. and you have somebody in Durango mm -hmm. talking about something very similar. And, and sometimes we will just do it by hand. Like, you went, like, go, you, like, walking through the fields, and oh, and there was, like, you go and, like, crack it, and, yeah. Yeah. which, by the way, makes a really good salad also. They, they tender, the quiote eterno. Yeah. So how high would it be when you snap like, it? Tiny. Oh, just tiny, and just like, also, a, a like couple feet. Like, yeah, a couple but it's feet. really okay. tender. Yeah. And you can eat it as a salad. It like, almost like con huevo. Also, yeah, right? you can capeado with yeah. eggs. Yeah, yeah, you 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 uh, capeado like when you put or egg a salad on a with thing. tomatoes yeah. and uh -huh. stuff. Yeah. Well, you put eggs on everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems to, to be a Mexican thing. <laughs> so, so you have the land. You have Edgar, who's like, dude, I need to learn how to distill this stuff. And yeah. agave was growing and getting ready. And yeah, this is already five years in the making, right? More, More like eight, nine. Don Filippo yeah. is freaking out because you're getting yeah, to have mature things, like, plants. Well, yeah, it was more or like, like first 2000 that were getting ready. Yeah. 
And then we um, we hired a guy from Santo Domingo Albarradas who came and um, we pay him to come and teach us how to mm -hmm. make mezcal. Mm -hmm. Still no real, still like we're scrapping money here there to build the the rooftop of the area. Like, yeah, uh, we recycle, and that's a f that's Edgar's uh, funny story because uh, they were getting rid of uh, uh, of the roof of the local market, mm -hmm. and wow. which was uh, big. Um, big, yeah, big, and it was it has the structures, the metal things in the metal but because they wanted to do an auditorio and two-story auditorio but then they were getting rid of this metal thing tin roof blah blah but and the then, full structure with yeah, the with, with everything the, with yeah. alas and everything that's awesome and then we we're <laughs> like hmm uh, they were getting rid of it and then like this uh we'll take this like we can re get rid of it and then like we just we'll take that from you no problem perfect. <laughs> you have the perfect angle structure they were already and it was big like, that's yeah. like yeah. imagine it's the size of a market like you you, you could you had to it. disassemble it and then but yeah so and yeah but, which you we hired another person too like a, yeah um like yeah. the guy so, that, uh, metal like a, a metal maker mm -hmm. machine mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah he took it into pieces and he's the one also he knew that he, that was gonna he, his project his job to yeah. bring it down and install it and just what's the of, elevation of the the palenque elevation that's gonna be like uh 1800 feet above sea level okay that's, again this is lower than oaxaca lower city. than oaxaca city yeah uh, oaxaca city it could be like uh 306 i mean 3600 so oh, we're <laughs> She, she didn't I'm do sensi. too well. With I'm sensi with altitude, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So we're yeah. gonna I, we're gonna put you in evidence, but you're gonna have to give us a photo of the palenque because the ones that I have seen is absolutely amazing. Uh, Justin shared with us a few of the photos yeah. from the Sierra Norte when we were talking to him about, and you came into the the conversation. Actually, it's kind of fun. Uh, but you have probably best photos of that. So, um, yeah. yeah, we could we could. Yeah, we'll definitely sure. post some things um, for sure. So, so at what point is so Edgar is is learning how to produce, and you are you learning alongside of him? Or are you back in school in Guadalajara? I'm, I'm more back at school and dealing okay. with my also my 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 uh, how to get back with um, how to get back to the states and mm -hmm. how to finish school and. So you knew like, you wanted to come back to the uh, states because you. Yes, and wanted I, to and work. I, I I wasn't like, oh, should I go back to the states and and work and keep going with what I uh, with the mezcal business, or yeah. should I? Um, now I'm graduated, and chances opportunities are uh, for me to work in like international business from Mexico. Yeah. But then you start comparing the the salaries and the, uh, the choices options right away. To and this is 2000. In 2012, yeah. 13. Yeah. yeah. Economy it's difficulties. It's getting a little better. It's getting but, a little yeah. better, but nonetheless, yeah. is Mexico is not. Well, and that's, um, but then the, we had this already, we were already already doing like, uh, we, by this time we were distilling, we were uh, making mm -hmm. samples, mm -hmm. we were selling mezcal. What year in Mexico you, or in Mexico? Yeah. What, what year you met Justin? I think I forgot, like maybe 2016, 17. Okay. FYI, we're talking about Justin Lane Briggs. Um, no, who... he was first Skernick. Skernick is yeah, currently the person that uh, imports, mm -hmm. uh, no, Distribute. uh, well, distributes 
Tosbain mm-hmm. uh, in, mm-hmm. in the States, mm-hmm. well, at least in New York. Yeah, I mean, that's like an incredible transition from from having nothing and building up the palenque and learning how to distill and obviously Edgar refining his methods yeah, and figuring if, it out with the land and the agaves that were available to you guys at the time. Yeah, exactly. To produce something you, you loved and you thought would, would be marketable. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, by that time I was finishing school, I was selling I was selling. I was sending mezcal to Mexico City. I mm-hmm. was sending. I was selling mezcal in were Guadalajara. Were you guys? Were you guys? Were Were you guys certified from the beginning? No, no, no. Okay. That's, you gotta okay. remember this thing, and this is kind of like my, I mean, the reality of uh, of 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 uh, destilados de agave and the sti- and, and mezcaleros. It's hard for a person. Imagine us, like we make mezcal. We went to school, but then if you don't have the money, like right away to certify, and somebody ha- doesn't. Uh, know the path or what it actually means to be certified. We just make mezcal. We we don't know anything else. Do we have right. to be registered and this and then? Um, it's difficult. It's hard. Like you you. I mean, for somebody that has been making it for and a lot of the times, old mezcalero. It's uh, it's being a lot of self subsistent activity. Right. It's not like a, right. It's not in, right. It's not like the way we understand distillery here. Oh, a distillery, whatever it takes a distillery. Right now, I work at a distillery. It, what, it, all the permits and all that, mm-hmm. it's really compli- it's complicated. It's technical, it's complicated, and it's expensive. And it's also archaic laws of uh, provision and all that kind of stuff that, you know, it's a whole different yeah, conversation. That's a to whole have, other but episode. But Mexico yeah. has a good bunch of those. Sure. Because there was a, there was a persecution for mezcal and, and, and destilados that it was illegal. Of course. During the 60s and 70s, I think yeah. it was the hardest time. Yeah. Uh, I just learned this too. Uh, but with that, the laws over there, they're not simple. Like you will think that the certification process is a completely different thing because through the CRM and it's a private entity, it's not a governmental thing. So mm-hmm. that's a whole different conversation. But the laws to sell and buy alcohol, they still complicated in Mexico. So because you were the business end of the team, uh, was your intention, let's just see how we can sell this stuff immediately and mm-hmm. then we'll scale? Or was it, what was no, the idea? No, that's the thing. Like part of it, um, okay, you go to business school and everything. Yeah, you have the business plan. However, things like that I didn't endure or didn't take into consideration right away, it was financing, which was, it could have been different. Yes um, uh, and no. Like it's the direction that you want to take. You get him uh, financed. Financing right away mm-hmm. uh, with our, uh, a plan of five year, right? Or you and since we already had invested all these years, like personal self money. personal money, sure. like every money that you get, it's just putting back and building it, building it, building it. That um, so that the I already knew that I had to certify if I wanted to call mezcal. I'm reading the the NOM. Uh, the I even did an internship in tequila, the CRT. Part of my program was like, oh, you mm-hmm. uh, do any because it was close. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it was to do, uh, and I learned a lot because it was uh, it I was, was helpful. On, it was under the wing of Ana Paula Ramirez, who was in the International Affairs yeah. Committee. That's pretty so, awesome. So yeah, I knew. So yeah, yeah, part of the path was okay. Let's get it certified. So around 2012, we were getting certified. The first contact we had was with the chemist, who with uh, which still works for um, a major brand right now, mm-hmm. and she just like we hired her. We paid her to to to, to, to come and just yeah. to come and see like oh, and then like 
you guys don't know how to make mezcal, okay? And then we'll, we... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, but this is, I mean, yeah. I know how, do you don't know how to make mezcal in, in order to pass in the test? In order to pass the test, And then, yeah. like, give us the yeah. tricks here and there. And then we had a... Uh, is this all about, the, I mean, this is about so that chemically it passes the the range that's acceptable? Back then, the mm -hmm. norm had still had the, the, the parameter of yeah. acidity, which was, like, how do you deal with the acidity? What yeah. does acidity mean? And then uh, it's part of what the flavor gives. Um, fix it like this, and then boom, you fix it. How did they want you to fix it? No, like the way your process, like you mm -hmm. don't let it, like check when are you going to be taking it to this to ferment, I mean to distill. Mm -hmm. uh, like watch the days, don't let it go too long, or that kind of like those kind of, that was her. That was the fix. Yeah. Is the acidity not part of the nom anymore? It's not part no, of the. It's not more, but then the other furfural, which is furfural. I don't know exactly where it comes from, and I don't want to uh, claim things that I don't yeah. know. Because okay, I, fair. There's those. <laughs> there's certain things. It's international there. business manager, but the, the, the chemist is somewhere else. Yeah, okay, where we we'll buy the right. chemist okay. some other night. Got it. <laughs> no, yeah, I will be like, I will claim things. Yeah. I won't. I don't want to claim things. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an expert, and I don't want to. Okay. We we are all learning. All <laughs> oh my the god, time, are you man. kidding me? Yeah. And Tospa, um the 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 name Tospa means what in Zapotec? Tospa, Jawet Tospa, it's uh, something that you're Oh, and, and by the way, this name was chosen by a friend of ours. Like it's a small community, the life in the community, it's uh you know everyone and you know like usually your friends are the one they are your same age mm -hmm. and you like some, together. Yeah. yeah. And then like we were having some Mezcal and Edgar asks, "Hey, how, what should we name this uh, this thing that we're doing? What should be?" And and it, everybody said things, and and one friend of ours, Heraclio, he's the one who came up. Tosba, chinga tzo, yo raba tosba. Por qué no le ponemos? Why don't we put uh, the name Tosba because it means Tosba, and you know it's not only one. Tosba means only one. That's mm -hmm. what it means. To mm -hmm. in Zapotec is uno, one. Tosba, it's a way of saying Shawe Tosba. Tosba, that, meaning that you won't only have one. Mm -hmm. That's the way that you will tell your friends. Como papitas, one. papas abritas. <laughs> solo puedes tener una. Yeah, it's uh, Tosba, that's what it means. Oh, that's awesome. And that was the, the, the way we chose the name, and that's what we stick From the beginning. To, from the beginning. Yeah, that's really cool. So how long did it take you to get certified and to figure it out? It was fairly quick. Actually, we sat in, by the time I got back to the U.S., we already accomplished that first certification. We had a, a first, like a thousand liters of mezcal sitting there for, and people were coming, were, would come and, 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 and and try it. And like it was a thousand liters of mezcal, mezcal certified, certified Tospa, the whole thing. Yeah. No bottles yet, no label, yeah. because we had another label before this. Yeah. Before this I saw which it. Which is, yeah. I saw the label. Justin had it here. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know. This label, man, it doesn't look good. And I'm like, just let them do their thing. And you came out with this design probably like a, a month later or something like that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that was there. And people would come offer, like, back then, like, oh, and by the way, this was never... Um, an intention to tap into the mezcal wave or anything remember this is 
uh, early 2000s where nobody cared. You guys had way, like you were way early. I mean, it wasn't even, it hadn't touched the states yet, let alone your country um, in the cities or, you know, any of the popular areas. Yeah. And for me, it was like all this time it's been me for me to like, let's do something. Let's build something. Let's put something together. When did you start importing? 2000. 15, 16, 15, 16. That was the first, uh, first batch yeah. that was. The first exported. time that we saw you was in Mexico in a bottle. In New York, the only one time that they did Mexico in a bottle. That's when I first saw. That was like the two, product. two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And that could have been yeah. with uh, Justin already with, with Justin. Scurning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, because he was, was he was serving you. He was serving Tosba at Mexico in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly in California first. Always mm-hmm. everything was there. But after uh, uh, just to to kind of form the circle here you 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 went ahead and you pursued the degree in guadalajara meanwhile you guys are developing and building the the business in the palenque and 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 going through all of the um rigorous you know um legal stuff that you had to go through to get it certified and to to be a, a business in mexico and then you moved to back to california yeah to work but so not in hospitality this time. Uh, yes, it actually. It was in hospitality. Like, it was hospitality. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to yeah look for a job with the, trying to enter through international business. So I went back to um, to hospitality, mm-hmm. and that's when I got involved into bartending. Oh, to, okay. Yeah, making drinks because yeah, I knew how to serve tables and all that. Sure. But it was more yeah like I wanted to take like focus on the what I'm doing here like focusing on spirits learning about spirits and yeah and for sure like that time it was um people making cocktails with it and kind of like um and again this is another process of learning how to navigate these things getting to know people what's going on mm-hmm. and people, being social people... and being yeah um, well you were learning the market here mm-hmm yeah, that is very different from the market in Mexico too. Mm-hmm. Because Mexico, we were selling jugs of mezcal. We were selling. Yeah. I would sell from. I would ask Edgar, "Hey, Edgar, mandame unas garrafas de mezcal. Send me jugs of mezcal." And he would send me like the five liter. jugs of yeah. uh, of mezcal of mm-hmm. twenty liters, so like a hundred liters. He would sell to me and mm-hmm. to Guadalajara, and, and mm-hmm. Guadalajara would find people. Right. They will, and it, they will love it. It was a bit of a different system. <laughs> yeah, because it was not labeled. It was yeah. like more like direct. But so, you know what? There's there's a, the authenticity of that comes from many, many, many years. They're not yeah. the first one. Yeah. I, I I have told you the many stories of the tequila from my neighbor. Oh, of course. Of it was course, all in. Of course, there was always yeah. in 10 liter uh, garrafones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. The big jugs. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it, um, there was a place in, in Guadalajara called Mes- Mosquito Mezcal was actually one of the the guy from Esteban first places that I was like the guy who actually bought me. he was believing in 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 mezcal since then yeah and and what did you find when you were back in California I mean people were starting to get really excited about it right not so much actually oh. we were like I feel like we uh, uh we converted a lot of people we were grinding like yeah like grinding for instance that place that I work at like it was just tequila tequila and then they will say like mezcal like almost ill like that sort of sentiment but then eventually i started converting them like slowly slow. but slow, one surely right? at a time. well one conversation <laughs> at a time right uh, yeah it's education i remember, I remember really. selling a bottle of i love chichicapa the maguey chichicapa that's mm-hmm. or those even i didn't have mezcal i was not bringing mezcal yet and that was one of that stuck to me 
and I will remember having a, a table of 20 people, German guys, and have you guys tried mezcal? Um, and then I will go full, like, quickly. Hey, yeah. Mezcal is uh, the Mexican spirit, like, people don't know it, but that's the, truly the ultimate Mexican spirit, and then you guys want to try it, yeah. and boom, I will yeah. sell a bottle of mezcal in one, like, right there, and yeah. it was, like, so your manager was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and they were like, "What?" The, yeah, because those guys back then they were they will be pushing the, the 1942, yeah, like right. the expensive right, stuff, like right. the reserva. So, from your experience working in the French restaurant, did you kind of pull in the idea of like terroir and like the the place that a, 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 a beverage, you know, the plant is grown and how long it takes to grow? Not so Any much at the beginning. Not yet, because first we were grasping barely on the... But then we were grasping on Tosba Espadin 42. We were like still convincing ourselves what's the proof, yeah. what to do. And at this time, like, I would hear uh, people uh, talking about, oh, like in tequila, no, it's at 38, right. uh, 40, 40. And then we will line up our cuts, our proofs, like 45, 44, 43, 42, 40, 38. And we will, like, those are the, the the tests that we were doing back then with Edgar. And we will give it away. Like, we will have ask, uh, invite people over. Mm -hmm. Like, what, which one you like? Yeah. We, because we what were, were people, deciding. What were people saying? And people tend to go for the 42%. And, however, for us to put the labeled 42 percent it was really hard i was still we still didn't know how to prove exactly a point and then you would send it to the lab, lab. and then it will come up 43 and then what you had to put on your label was 43 and then you have to proof it with when you guys proof in the palenque are you proofing with down with water yeah okay. agua destilada so okay. yeah we would use for the tiny parts oh so that was at the beginning but when we were always aiming at 42 we bought a bunch of uh hydrometers yes uh so we were like different uh uh measurements measurements so that we were and we had this table of conversion to and we would have like four or five uh, hydrometers to see which one, which one, and then like make the conversion. And whichever was like we landed on, like out of five, we would land three, and then that would be the, the then that we would choose 42. And but then later, like, you know what, this is so much, and then I have to make labels every time. And this is it's too much, yeah. And then, uh, so we say, like, you know what, we're gonna leave it empty, and then we're just gonna put whatever and, the lab comes back unless, with. Unless, and be very honest about this too these labels are not just like if you change it's not because you have a mistake they have to go through the whole right. process there has to be the level of, of the crm for it. Yeah. approving mm -hmm. your label yeah. before you export yeah yeah so yeah, yeah for instance the, so i'm, I'm holding the bottle of espadine in my hand right now and we're, we've been talking so much about why you thought you felt at the time in the beginning why it was so important for you to have 42 and it's funny because now we're what like it's eight years later or whatever and i'm holding a bottle as 45.88 percent yeah we, <laughs> and so you're again. perfectly fine and happy with that and it's it, absolutely delicious I, I think also the palate evolved yeah, it, our palates evolved absolutely. And it was more because okay, now uh, 
you know what, I'm going to print the label until I get the, the results. So that way I don't. That's know. very smart yeah. because, so then, yeah. 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 That but way still, you're not stuck with a pickle of like, oh, my God, I've got to proof this down half a percentage or one yeah. percent or something. And then, yeah. And then now we don't add water and we just bring it to whatever the proof is and we don't touch it. And it's just with, with colas. No, we well, with yeah. colas yeah, and, yeah. Puntas, and puntas. So no more water. You no just let water. it be We're, what it is because, yeah. 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 And that's what that's why yeah. we like. But, but it's such an interesting evolution right like and also you know you were saying we are just with water and that's a very it's a very common practice absolutely yeah, it happens so absolutely knowing nothing that, wrong with it and there's nothing wrong with it there's an evolution for a personal preference of taste and adjustments but nonetheless there's absolutely amazing mezcal out there proof differently uh whatever that means mm-hmm. um funny enough for somebody that has never been in a palenque and you have the experience to taste the puntas to taste the corazón to taste the colas there is uh, a very f- interesting texture and in tasting each one of them but one of the things that is very very interesting is when you tasting the colas is is like water down it's water down mezcal in such or smoky water yeah. water but yeah. but but you is more water than mm-hmm. anything else so it makes sense to adjust with something that is already proofed down Mm-hmm. But it does. You have to be careful because it does. It the can flavor. change your flavor. Yeah, it's been evolving. And then yeah. again, these are the things that we're still crafting. And one thing for sure, it's uh, we went from making espadín, which landing the espadín and taking it from forty-two to whatever the the proof is. And not only that, it's how I like it. Yeah. It's Edgar's motto. Like it's no yeah. longer how I want people. Uh, to taste it it's like how yeah. i like it so yeah. and then from there but he had to grow into that yeah and the, again this yeah. is we're not mescaleros for generations yeah. so we're not so this is we're learning this yeah and with the very very little intervention from outside say that we're out there like looking i'm the one who's trying to yeah, it seems like you're the one the explorer that's yeah. out there no, like, and i would yeah. go back and then like and then the the first time we make pechuga so i'm reading about how people make pechuga and i'm like okay so pechuga is made this way and i explain it to this from california on the phone to edgar, uh, to edgar and then he has he understands it in a certain way and he just came delicious. It was not the way I told him. And he made it his own he way. His own tepache. <laughs> his own you know thing. What? And it was just actually. There's a, there is an art form to it. And he's yeah. the artist. And that's what and it comes down uh, to. And that's, I mean, that's uh, that's the way we make pechuga. And it's different from what traditionally you will find in the valley. So take us through uh, a production for your espadín expression. Um, are you now harvesting all of your espadín from the land? Or are you purchasing some as well? Uh, no, we haven't buy any any espadín. We, right now we're using all the espadín. It's whatever we planted. So all cultivated all from cultivated. your land. Yeah. And we right now i think you serve some of the tobala yeah and that's delicious. the very first tobala that we we planted six years ago or oh, like that's amazing and this is kind of like the first ones that were but this particular one it's it's a blend like we we still to fill up the ovens you was we still but it's exciting to actually see that you have a plot of land yeah and then you see them like yeah and when like you say plant, blend it's it's the tobala that you harvested from your land plus some other tobala plus you, some other yeah. wild, wild wild meaning that, that you, the, you go on the forest and yeah. you grab them so cultivated and then um wild roughly we haven't asked you roughly how many acres do you have planted 
I to no sé la verdad I don't know like we just okay. lost lost count but it's 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 quite a quite a lot in the sense of uh, we have other varietals or other types of agave like that we don't even uh, produced produce yet yeah. like for instance we have a bunch of Karwinskis planted mm -hmm. introduced though by the way because they're not native of there okay we have plantios of uh, you, Warash how how did we you have... bring those from those are Central Valley <laughs> Oaxaca yeah and well, your, your brother must add little plants or you started from seed uh, a from seed Oof. from uh, from a little uh mm -hmm. and it's funny like even like we would go sometimes like oh shit look at those there's a those cute right there <laughs> and, and you'd like, grab them up no we just <laughs> no, get at we... it and then oh on, hurry up and, yeah and just grab them because they already have the little hijuelos and yeah a lot of the times it's uh it's that that kind of stuff that we've done and also hijuelos seeds everything like yeah. we're obsessed with uh with seeds with other varietals uh, the pestate didn't do so well in the mountains but i guess because it's more humid yeah. but we did try to plant a bunch of them mm -hmm. we are like and now we have like so our own a, botanic a, garden like our who's own. in who's in charge of doing the cult like starting the cultivation and the nursery is that all edgar or do you have edgar a team? and but recently we hired a guy from uh, a graduate from university of chapingo who's oh, uh, actually mm -hmm. who's a gra uh, an agronomist mm -hmm. and he's doing another other experiment and we just let him let like, him go free free if, yeah if people, if people don't know chapingo is the top of the crop like chapingo in mexico is where all the top top agronomists mm -hmm. come for from. agriculture yeah. Yeah. yeah and then uh yeah so yeah we've done it we kind of gave him an idea he came with his own ideas like he want like he wants to experiment too and he's like as long as you have you are plant you're growing from seed and having like nor the nursery going mm -hmm. you do whatever you have you want to do like yeah. that was it's so that's so exciting and incredible i can't wait to see it in person one day so actually. just to close it down you all your spadine is produced it's all cultivated 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 plant that you have in your properties you don't buy any piñas mm -hmm. this is it you tobala is something that you started with a mix but most likely the next coming batches are all yours cultivated. you're gonna need cultivated. to go cultivated so the the thought of circular farming and and process to plant and plant to mm -hmm. business you you nail it like mm -hmm. it's it, I'm, I'm saying this with with that smile in my face because it's very very fucking hard to do what you're doing and you nail it in matter of 10 years i know it sounds crazy but we're, it's 2020 mm -hmm. we start this yeah, around 2012, yeah. 2012, yeah, 2012 when we started, like, yeah, from seeds. Yeah, so yeah. this is this yeah. uh, bravo, 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 amigo. Absolutely. this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so let's just go through the process then. Let's let's talk about uh, your oven, conical oven in the ground. Uh, yeah, with uh -huh. the twigs, like again, uh, building the 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 palenque, like Edgar's uh, grandfather, uh, grand father-in-law is mm -hmm. uh he's an interesting character he's a he's a carpenter he's a car he carves like uh wood oh he's really? like an artist but oh. he also is uh albañil he does construction he's mm -hmm. he puts things walls and everything he's a he maker, makes a maker. he's and a maker then, uh, like he would come and 
and stay with us and work with us when we need construction to happen mm -hmm. and then he will like Probably be there engineer and, too and his mind was going was like, yeah and do, then yeah. he will be like hmm, what, what if we try this and he's like, looking it, at the things like yeah we're gonna change that yeah, <laughs> yeah. he will be like things like that and it'll be like i don't have money to pay him but he wants to do it like yeah, let him do it. it yeah 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 but uh uh and yeah those are kind of like the, the 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 things that we've been doing and we're always doing like how to set the steel of course there's so many things that you can do absolutely but, um, yeah and um but yeah that's so uh, did they, he they, help to de design the oven yeah yeah, yeah. so there the those tweaks and it's it's it has the a coupe like you know those glasses the Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you mean what? like our copitas? Yeah, exactly. So, so, so the, the, <laughs> oven, yeah, exactly. That's the, oven, the oven kind of bolts out and it comes in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a cone with a lip. Yeah. So, uh -huh. the, way that, the way that the aroma will keep in a wine glass or a curved glass, like a copita that we have, you're keeping the heat. Yeah. It's avoiding, it's avoiding the, the radiation of the heat going out by having a little bit mm -hmm. of, a, of, mm -hmm. a, of a cupola without the top yeah mm -hmm. yeah so you roast for a few days yeah it's uh -huh. um mm, what like three four days mm -hmm. that's typically what we roast mm -hmm. and then um you're uh mashing it with tahona or uh yes at the beginning we were like again those are the changes we were using a shredded that we had a shredder, yeah a mechanical shredded but in edgar decided no did i feel like it uh, i let go of a lot of pulp and then that's how we so oh, there's far. like too much waste with mm -hmm. the chipper or mm -hmm. with the. Um, it's a chipper. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Something the shredder. And yeah. I think it's they. I'm pretty. And that was uh, a few years ago. I'm pretty sure they changed. I feel like they they might have improved them. And probably. Yeah. Was it a gas one? Yeah. 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 And plus that. Some people yeah. talk about the fumes actually getting yeah. into the mash. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of sympathize with the idea. Like yeah. it probably it, it affects, especially yeah. with what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So Tahona milled, uh, crushed, and then it goes into tinas. Does it go into tinas wood? De, de maderas. Yeah. Uh -huh. wood, What's wood. the capacity for those? Are they like eight hundred? Eight hundred. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, the typical. They actually they are made in in Matatlan. Our good friend of Rene Jimenez is the one that makes it. And, okay. And he comes also sometimes to advise us because he used to be a. Uh, certificador and we get along really well and they take a break from the valley and oh let's escape into the mountains let's and go to the mountains yeah the and then to deliver that, that probably the ones that you're using is 800 is a pound of crushed agave to 800 liters of water that's that's the full bat all the way to the top mm -hmm. a pound a ton. a ton a ton a ton yeah okay a ton, ton of crushed agave uh -huh. with 800 liters of water. Uh -huh. And it's basically at the edge of the of the bat. And in the region where you are with the altitude and everything, how, how long is the fermentation? How so long do you let it go cold. for? Typically, it varies like two, two days or uh, off and or, or on. But it's like typically five days to seven days when it's mm -hmm. like no stuff ferment no no está listo todavía it's like yeah, yeah seven yeah. days okay. but yeah typically sometimes even at five or maybe four you're yeah. like oh maybe and do you guys ever do the thing where like you roast the agave and then you let it sit until you're ready to that, crush it into ferment like just for timing wise or uh, uh, production purposely you don't do it well you don't you don't mill it right away after you you take it out of the oven because it caramelizes. But uh, like chocolate, or, like cacao. 
and also uh, once you mill it, you let it sit there for a day, and then you add water after it. But so what's the timing? But, for you, uh, like, but sometimes like um, you take it out of the oven, you then, let it rest. Yeah, sometimes you will cool. let it like one, two, three days because you didn't have times like they're not like you did just didn't mill it, and then it will have some sort of funkiness to it. Mm -hmm. Like and, and Does, definitely that that that's what happens. It has been more often than not that we have this conversation now that people are understanding this and purposely leaving the, the roast agave out to get some uh, mold, mold mm -hmm. that will create then a faster or different fermentation. Different yeah, it's, it's different flavor. It, it changes the, the flavor yeah. profile a little bit. And knowing that the fungus will create through the natural elements and you're in the mountains, it probably will add, not terroir, but fungal tasting things mm -hmm. could be interesting i think too. that's all wrapped could, up into to yeah why. but it could be interesting just to yeah. you know to keep an eye on on all the, all the experimental thing that you're doing like to keep an eye on like does this change like if you purposely not let it be that long to see different taste buds and i don't know yeah i mean yeah definitely that as um Uh, we experienced that and we you learn those things. Mm -hmm. Of course, the one that's there and making the, all these experiments, it's Edgar. But um, me being there uh, with him, like he's always telling me all these things and all this and having me make it because he's yeah. like, oh, you claim to be a mescalero. And then like, okay, you make the mescalero. Yeah, come on, buddy. <laughs> Get your hands in there. Like all this fucking idea was yours and then you leave me. <laughs> no, it's more like, yo, like, okay, so what do you, how do you do this? And then yeah. like, you, yeah. You, you do it, you know, yeah, and, awesome. but more than yeah. happy to like, I mean, it's, I love it. It's, uh, and do you wish you had more time to dedicate to the craft? I definitely do. Is yeah. that, is that the plan for the future? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would love to just be there and, yeah. and, and yeah, I would love to be there and, and definitely I'm learning more and reading more and, and you're getting like, old or you need to go back. <laughs> Wait, no. let's 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 finish. Let's wrap this up though, because we just talked about fermentation a bit. So let's talk about distillation. You guys are distilling in copper only, right? Copper uh, copper stills. The first um, <clears throat> the strip, the first strip we do. Uh, uh, everything's copper, but on the second pass. Second pass, we do stainless steel. Oh, okay. Why? Because Edgar thinks that uh, he's he gets coin flavor from the copper on the second if he does it on copper, I and he thinks like what kind of flavor? Like Is coin, like uh, penny, like you know. Oh, like, like, a coin, like, like oh, like, a, like a, when you taste like copper, like he tastes the metal. Yes. Yes. like you taste the metal in the second yeah. pass, so and so and so the second distillation is in stainless steel. And, and yeah. if you try your espadine, it's cleaner. Yes, it is. I was like, "What? Why is this so?" And I mean, this nobody? is all preference. This is all yes, like subjective. But again, yeah, you know, you say something that is very important. You're letting your cousin be the master mescalero that he's becoming. No, he's and the master. No, no, you're letting your cousin be the master mescalero that he's becoming. And you're the master and, businessman. And letting man. him <laughs> and letting him do the decisions that makes more sense for the his personal space that is being, you know, explored and expanded into mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so that's uh that's what we do and did he figure that out early on or yeah, did, did was definitely. it something that took a little, a little while uh, early on yeah like, yeah that's why he decided to we we got the the, the, the stainless steel stainless steel specifically for his 
because so he, cool. yeah. he he doesn't yeah he wants it like that and, and that's, that's how that's how edgar wants it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 fantastic so where are you guys um bottling oh so once we distill uh we bottle on site you bottle on site yeah it's crazy because are your labels we, uh, are your labels still made in the u.s no yeah okay. no not anymore it's Mex- made in mexico city and uh-huh. uh, um yeah, it's crazy because bring, we bring down people to to bottle on site. You bring people to to the village to to the palenque to yeah, bottle. Yeah, because yeah, and actually okay. the village is like thirty minutes away from the village. Oh, you guys are out there. Out yeah. there, yeah. We're yeah. close to the river. We're like in the middle of the forest. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Didn't you listen? They were, they needed to have a bulldozer make a road to get to them. Does Edgar <laughs> live on the Palenque yes. land? Yeah, well, he's, or does he I live mean, in the village? I mean, that's the ultimate goal, but because of his kids are young and then they need to go to school, so yeah. they, it's better if they're... But then in the weekends, they go and stay at the Palenque. Okay. And uh, that's all... Like, when I go there, I live at the Palenque. And that's one of the, the things that we're still building. So for us to... We have pretty much everything so that we... Like, for us to live in the like not in the Bolivia, People but it's live in the mm-hmm. in the woods and yeah. like be close to the river and just like enjoy yeah. nature nature and, oh man yeah so we're the, going oh my gosh absolutely <laughs> um are, do you offer anything else for the public to come visit you or um, can people contact you and take a visit how does uh, it go uh usually yeah a lot of people have because uh reach out and visit us and I'm always I mean if one thing for Oaxacans is to be very uh hospi- hospi- hospitable 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 yeah. yeah. and it's to um we're really open like we're open to come and visit and if you can make it there like um we can because it's uh, a hike uh, it's, yeah we <laughs> yeah. could um we can arrange things mm-hmm. but people always more than welcome to see to experience what exactly what we actually are putting together Sometimes it, you can be very like um, uh, simplistic and say like yeah it's booze but it, no this is more like a, it's a life we it's a lifetime commitment commitment and we're there's a lot of that we put together and we wanted to share it so I mean we talk about it all the time but then it's better if we can people can come and visit and 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 yeah. do everything. And it's great because the next time, uh, for those of nobody knows because I haven't said it yet, this is going to be a two-part podcast. So the next time that we get together with Alessandro, we're going to talk more about um, where they find themselves now, like where you guys are at this moment and and what you expressions some other cool projects that just launched on the market and also um where you know you see yourselves going in the future so thank you so much for joining us for what happened to be a very long conversation that i thought was going to be so condensed but this is how it goes we almost finished the espadín yeah i think all the expressions are gone (laughs) (laughs) salud yeah yeah, and i know it was very it's been um really complicated to sit and get together but uh i guess it's part of that new york like i I just got here and so i'm trying to put myself in like in a place that um yeah so we're so lucky you, we're so lucky you're to doing have you. an amazing job man absolutely more to come about that everybody um so stay tuned and look out for the next podcast part two
with Alessandro. Saludita. Hey Hey Agave is a production of Tuyo NYC. Brittany Prater is our editor. Your hosts are Gabrielle Velasquez Zazueta and me, Sabrina Lassard. Our music is by Milagro Verde. Find them on Instagram at Milagro underscore Verde BK. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Salisita.